Hi, I'm Rebecca Pete, And I'm Rebecca Cochran. And, and welcome, welcome to Woven, where we strive to be Christians living in the world with intention. And our prayer is that, to paraphrase Mary Zimmer, the Christ who knew Mary and Martha would show us the way of balance. Thanks, Thanks for listening. Hey guys, welcome to episode 133 of the podcast. And we have a bit of news. This is going to be our last episode. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's really bittersweet. Um, you know, we're both just at a place where, you know, we've been doing, how long have we been doing this podcast? Three, three and years? And a half year. Over three, three and a half years, years in February. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So three and a half years. And um, it's not that either of us have run out of things to say because we have not, but we're just entering different phases of life. And um, we've been pretty clear about this throughout the years, but we've never... We've had so, so making it to me is first defined by, has anyone's life been changed? Have we helped anybody? Have we like, you know, enriched anyone's life with this podcast? And I think the answer to that is yes, but it's come to a point where it's just not sustainable. It, um, we've been paying out of pocket the whole time for three and a half years and it just never took off the way that we hoped it would for it to, you know, and it's not to say that like, ministry has to make money. I don't think that at all, but we're like, I'm about to start work for the first time since I had kids and Rebecca's kids are getting older and you're looking for work and you're in a transition place. So it's just kind of a good time to take a break. Yeah, definitely. It was interesting. I, um, I had already notified our patrons that we were going to do that so that they could know first and also so that they would know that we're not going to deduct any more payments from them. <laughs> and we're very, and we're very grateful for our patrons and they know that. Yes, I guess them a very, very sweet, sweet thank you note. But, um, I had one of those patrons is a good friend of mine and she messaged me and she's like, are you okay? <laughs> and I'm like, and I'm like, yeah, Oddly enough, I am like, I'm sad. I I think I told Rebecca this too, but I'm sad because obviously I love doing the podcast. It's been so wonderful. And one of my favorite things I've done creatively ever. And so, um, I love it so much, but you just know that feeling when you know, like God is telling you that something's it's time, even though you're sad, you still feel at peace. Like, I don't feel like a sense of like, overwhelming. Like I've had other things in my life that have ended abruptly and without my like, I don't know, permission or without me choosing it or whatever, or it kind of blindsiding me. Um, and I don't feel that way about this. And so I don't feel like this sense of like dread or overwhelm or like complete and utter sadness, even though it is bittersweet. Um, I, I still feel at peace too, which makes me, you know, not like a a, a blubbering mess about it, so, <laughs> which I think helps a lot too. So same. Yeah. 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 I'm, so. Um, it's yeah. sad. Yeah. But of course it is. It's also like, you know, I think we've learned so much and yeah. I think it's been a really cool experience. So for those of you who, whether you just got here or you've been here the whole time, we just really, really appreciate you listening over the years mm-hmm. and growing with us and all of those things. And I'm um, not to say that we won't just like hop back into your feed every once in a while. We might do that. I don't know, but we, yeah, it's not going to be structured. It's not going to be 
all of those things. So, yeah. but we will all be archived, right, Rebecca? Like for sure. Yeah, no, I'm not canceling our um, Libsyn account. So that means that um, all of our episodes will still be in your feed if you go to iTunes, uh, where this is number 133. So, and then we have a few, we have like five bonus episodes. So, it, it, you know, there's upwards of 140 something episodes that you can go back and listen to. Or if you remember, oh, I remember they talked about this topic and I need to hear that again. Like I'm not getting rid of any of them. They're yeah. all going to sit there and Apple won't as long as we continue to pay the minimal amount a month, which I don't mind doing because um, I'm, I want it to be out there. As long as you pay those couple of bucks a month, um, Apple doesn't get rid of your episodes. So yeah. they'll be there. It's just like any other archived podcast, you know, that yeah. is finished that you can go back and listen to. Like it's going to be the same thing. So hopefully if, if you popped over here because you're a friend of Courtney Ellis's and, um, and you want to listen to her inner second half of her interview in a few minutes, um, you'll, and you're like, Oh, Hey, I like that. Um, know that she's been on the episode multiple times or on the podcast multiple times. And we have 133 episodes to listen to. So, um, I hope everybody will go back and listen and it'll continue even after we're done producing new content to minister to people, um, whether it's through, through our mental health health um, episodes or our body image stuff or, um, you know, our Advent episodes when it comes back to Advent, you know, like to go back and revisit that stuff. I mean, I might go back and revisit that stuff and yeah, listen to and listen to a lot of our, um, the people we've interviewed that have helped us along the way. So, yeah. Well, what a good way to go out to interview Courtney. So if you listened last week, yeah. um, last month. Good- or, oh, sorry, last month. Um, <laughs> her book, Happy Now, came out. Well, when you hear this, it will be a week ago. Um, and we gave ourselves a little challenge through the summer that we would challenge ourselves to play more. So we said we'd check in in this episode. So, Rebecca, hold on, you guys. For the last episode, Murphy is making his presence known. If you've been here, you know my loud dog who barks. He needs to go outside. So, I don't um, actually hear him barking, but I think he's not. He's just like twinkle toes and <laughs> bell on the door. Um, so, Rebecca, how did you play this summer and how did that change things? It's, it's interesting. This actually, I, and when we first started talking about this, I was like, oh, I'm going to have to force myself to play um, so that I can have something to talk about in August. Um, <laughs> but I think. Um, this summer has just kind of lent itself to that. I don't know if it's because, I mean, we're, we're back in not a great spot with COVID, but when the, when the summer started, it seemed like we were going back to having like a normal fun summer. And, um, and so we had a bunch of trips planned that were backed up from last year that we didn't get to go on because of COVID. And then I think the kids ages just lends us itself to us um, traveling more and doing things more as a family. And, um, and so I have, I was put in multiple situations where had we not um, talked to Courtney and I hadn't read her book and we hadn't challenged ourselves, I think I probably would have been um, more uncomfortable or um, wouldn't have had as much fun. Like for instance, we did a family camp in um, Colorado um, and we did all the activities, which are fun. And those aren't things that are unusual to me to go on a hike or that kind of stuff. But we also did a bunch of like games and family time and just like silly stuff that normally that I wouldn't want to be a part of, or I'd force myself to be a part of it, but I wouldn't really want to be a part of it. Um, or I wouldn't have had a good attitude or whatever. And I felt like I had a pretty good attitude the whole time. And we had a really good time as a family, even though a lot of it was 
silly. Uh, it was the kids had a blast. It was like their level of silly that was fun for mm-hmm. them. And it was exciting, I think, for them to see their parents be silly. Um, so that was fun. And then, um, well, we went to the beach, but also um, David and I went on our 20th anniversary trip a couple weeks ago. Our 20th anniversary is um, is actually the day after this episode comes out. And um, I we went and um, played in Oregon, <laughs> literally, like we 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 just traveled the whole state um and had so much fun and um i and were and I was very flexible with our schedule we decided different things on different days last minute and as much as we could because with covid you have to plan unfortunately right now and buy tickets to national parks and that kind of stuff but like i feel like i just was a lot of a lot more open and free and both David and I just said that was like one of the best trips we'd ever taken together and we've been together for over 20 years and taking trips together for over 20 years so um so yeah I think that I have had a better playfulness playful mentality this summer which has been which has been good for me and so how do you think that's gonna continue for you like do you feel like you enjoyed it so you want to keep doing it yeah and I think I think there's, you know, there's always whenever you're trying to experience something new or kind of change your outlook on something, there's, there's some fear and anxiety there of, you know, am I not going to enjoy this? Is this going to be uncomfortable? Am I going to be outside of my comfort zone? And I think sometimes you just have to do it and then realize that like, oh, that really was fun. That really wasn't that big of a deal. And so I think that, um, and you, I really can spend a lot of time not taking myself seriously and still be a serious minded person. And like mm-hmm. that is that they, those things aren't mutually exclusive. So I think that I think I've spent so much of my, and we talked about this with Courtney, but I think I've spent so much of my adulthood um, thinking that I need to take myself super seriously. And I don't, I, you know, being a fun person is not a part of being an adult. That's part of being a teenager or a young adult or a kid or whatever. And so I, I think I, I learned that I can be a serious minded adult and still be playful. Um, and I also learned that there are some things that aren't fun for me and I don't, a uh, yay for me that I tried it and I don't need to do that again. <laughs> I can't think of an example right now, but I'm just saying like, just, learning what is fun for me and giving myself permission to do those things. And then the stuff that I've tried that wasn't fun, give myself to be for permission that uh, that's okay. That that's not fun. Does that make sense? Totally. Yeah. Cause like yeah. my thing with play, like we went to the beach this summer and I don't like the beach. Like I'm just not a beach person. I never have been. I'm kind of sensory. I don't like being sticky and hot and like sitting still all day. It's just, it's boring to me. I don't like it, but you know, that's what you do in the summer. You go to the beach. Um, And so I was kind of feeling a little insecure about it because I was like, man, like I'm supposed to be playful and I don't even like being at the beach and everybody likes the beach and da da da. So leaning into that, like what you were saying of what you like and knowing that like I'm a unique person and I'm allowed to like things or not like things. And just because everyone else likes something doesn't mean I have to like it. So having that kind of perspective, because I feel like I'm kind of kind of, I'm a pretty self-conscious person. And, um, I'm always like, I struggle a lot with comparing myself to other people in that way. Like, well, everyone else is this way. Why am I not that way? Kind of thing. Yeah. And, um, so going into it, I was thinking like, okay, well, what are like the basic things you do in summer? And I'll just challenge myself to do some of those things. So, so I'm going to have more fun at the beach. Well, that didn't work (laughs) because I don't like the beach. And then I was trying to force myself to have fun at the beach. And then it just, I probably would have had more fun if I wasn't trying to have fun. 
So I had to just kind of, for me, I think it became almost like I embraced the ability to be in the moment and go with the flow. Yeah. So it's not even that I specifically did like textbook playful things. It's that I was more open to veering off the track when appropriate, like, and I can't really, I'm trying to think of examples. Like I bought water balloons on a whim at, um, like Kroger or something. And we invited some neighbors to throw water balloons one day. Like that was super fun. It was fun for the girls. And I just enjoyed watching them. And I think that was something else I learned was like, when I tuned in to my kids, like they're such a good resource for this. Cause I was just like, Oh my gosh, like y'all are so fun. And like, I don't really have to do a whole lot to feel playful when I'm with y'all. It's like, almost like if you have kids or you have you're around children, it's so fun to just like, it's contagious play is. And yeah. so I found myself more, um, kind of more dropping my self-consciousness, not taking myself so seriously and just feeling more comfortable. And from that place, I was more playful. Yeah. So yeah. I guess I feel like I was more available maybe. Um, I think that's a big part of it. I was talking to, I don't remember who I was talking to about the summer. I don't remember, but we were talking about being present and like really, really trying to figure out. And like, that's such a, you know, I don't know. Everybody's talking about being present these days, you know, (laughs) Uh, you know, that's like a, a mantra right now about being present. But I mean, I think it's really true. Like, I think that's like the key to having fun or being playful or joy. Like we talk about, um, with Courtney um, in this interview about um, as Christians, like joy, uh, C.S. Lewis says that joy should be our native tongue. Like joy should just, we should just, and that doesn't mean we're always happy or that Mm -hmm. we're always, you know, in a good mood or that things aren't hard. But like, even in the midst of all of those things, there's still like this sense of joy that it exudes out of us because that should be our native tongue as Christians, but it's really hard when you're, if you're constantly sitting in the past, you're constantly thinking about the next moment versus the Mm -hmm. moment that you're in to be joyful. And so I've really challenged myself that with that this summer with like, and I have to tell myself, cause I am such a future oriented person that like, I, I'm constantly having to reel myself back in. Um, it's a, it's a daily struggle for me to not think about the next thing. Um, and that doesn't mean planning is not important, but it's also recognizing when you're like just sitting in the future and not paying attention to the present. So that's just something I've, I've really tried to um, lean into this summer. Um, with with my kids, with myself, with my relationship with God, with my relationship with my friends, everything with yeah. my marriage. Like as we, as as we've enter, we're entering um, tw- our twentieth year. Like, like just like re, you know, you're constantly reevaluating your relationships and like what is it that we need to work on, you know? And that is just an area that I'm trying to be better at. So, yeah, yeah. and I think joy being your native tongue is birthed out of a sense of reverence, right? Like yeah. just a sense of the weightiness of life and like not to be mm-hmm. too much of an Enneagram for, but just the <laughs> the knowledge that like this doesn't last forever. And like yeah. these moments go and like you can't get yeah. them back. And it's better to be in it. And there's I don't know. I I've just been thinking I my kids are kind of getting to that like they're six and a half. So I'm seeing glimpses of them getting older. And I'm seeing, and it's not a hundred percent yet, but like, it's, it's getting there and it's starting to freak me out. And, um, 
I just, I had this realization this summer, like if, if I don't now, if I don't give into it now, when will I? Because yeah. then they're not going to want to. And then I've uh, missed yeah. the opportunity, you know? And so I'm sitting on that fence with my oldest. Um, definitely Nathan still wants to play. Like he want, he begged me to play a board game with him yesterday, but my uh, middle school her, I mean, we had fun when she was out of her element on our trips but like when we're hearing in the everyday that's some life, she doesn't really want to play with me anymore. Yeah. <laughs> she wants me to take her shopping or, she wants, <laughs> you know, but like she doesn't want to play, play with me anymore. So that time is like short. And um, so I, yeah, I definitely commend anybody with kids younger than mine to like, that doesn't mean you need to love playing Barbie dolls or building Legos or whatever. I'm not but saying like, enjoy every moment. I'm not no, saying that. No, don't because... Um, every moment isn't enjoyable. So don't try because no. then you're just going to beat yourself up. But well, and I hate um, when people say that. Me too. But I think I can, what I am saying is just go into it with the knowledge that this too will end and like yes. good or bad, it's going to yeah. end. So yeah. Yeah. And I think so too, it's part of just aging. And that's mm-hmm. why I love Courtney. Cause she's like, I think she's just a little ahead of me in life. And her and I are about the same age. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, I just feel like, she realizes things just before me and she sort of like writes these books that come at the perfect time and kind of guide me. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's just, I think part of getting of middle age is just taking yourself less seriously and being less concerned with things that you used to be. And I think I'm kind of like, I feel myself coming out of my little chrysalis and I'm like, okay, I'm, I don't have to be whatever I think I have to be. I can just be me, whatever that looks like. And I don't have to, you know, yeah. be something else. So that's all related to play for me. Yeah. Sounds good. Well, Courtney's the second half of this episode is awesome because she's, as you said, so wise. And um, yeah, I encourage everybody to, I don't just say I'm, this is not just a platitude. Like I really, you know, encourage everybody, especially the time we're in right now. I think we all can use some playfulness. And I said that in my personal Instagram message about the book, but like, I think we're all the place where we're in need of it, whether this is something you're good at or not. And so I really recommend um, her book just came out and it's available everywhere. And don't just get it because mine and Rebecca's words are on the back of it with our names, but like <laughs> go and get it because like we really do believe um, in the message and we believe in Courtney because she's the bomb. So um, I hope everybody enjoys this, this um, interview, the rest of the interview with her. If you haven't listened to the first part of the interview, the second part might not really make sense. So go back and listen to July episode <laughs> first and then, um, and then come back and listen to the second part um, of the episode of the interview because um, yeah, she's just, it's rich and it's good. And she's, she's amazing and follow her on all the places. So yes, we'll link that all in the show notes for sure. Okay. okay here's the interview. Woo. Bye. Bye. No, that's um, cool. I was talking to a good friend today who's also a four in the Enneagram. And it's just interesting how different personalities like perceive because like her and I were talking about how like we both really struggle to be happy. Like um, because like not like we are happy, but it's hard, it's just more comfortable for us to be in like the darker emotions, you know, and like how vulnerable happiness feels and joy yes. and like um so it is it isn't something that's like easy, like. And I think that's something I've learned just as I've gotten older and have been around more people and have seen more people grow throughout life is like the the joyful older people have fought for that. Like they're not, I used to just think people were naive or like stupid. And it's like, no, that is like hard fought holiness. And I admire it now so much in people. 
Um, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Be I would say, I would say for me, like I very much like to be in the fine position. Like mm. I don't like to do the highs and the lows because the, the high highs and the low lows are vulnerable places. And yes, that's also yes. a place where you have to feel and I don't want to feel, I would just rather not feel. So I'd rather just be fine all the time. Let's just yeah. be fine. Status quo is good for me. We're fine. I'm fine. Everybody's fine. Um, and that's where I'd like to live. Um, but it's kind of hard. You can't really play when you're just fine. Um, yeah. uh, I, I struggle with that and I struggle with like being seen as silly because that's a vulnerable place to be, you know, play. Um, and then I think a little bit about, you talk about this in the book too, about how to fail and a, a lot of playing, um, um, requires a, a, an okayness with failure. Um, especially when it's, it involves doing new things and trying new things and being innovative and creative, like the stumbling block for me and a lot of creativity and innovation is like a fear of failure. Um, and so it, it is interesting how everybody has different like blocks, like mm-hmm. of why they don't play or why they don't incorporate play or creativity into their lives. Um, but for me, definitely like being seen as silly and being seen as a failure are huge for me. <laughs> yeah. 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 And we do, we, we each have our own unique stumbling blocks or, or um, obstacles in getting into play. But the thing I learned the more I went into this book is also that if you play, the feelings often follow. Um, yeah. Cause we'll often be like, Oh, I don't feel like having fun right now. But if you start, right? Like if someone tosses you a Frisbee and you toss it back, something has happened for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and playfulness tends to follow this arc of invitation. So someone invites us or we invite ourselves, right? Like, should I get that jigsaw puzzle down? Should I? Okay. Um, and then permission. Does someone mm-hmm. give us permission? Do we give ourselves permission? And then the final step is the release. It's the spark. And that's where play does the work. We've gotten the invitation. We've accepted it. We've given ourselves permission. And then the spark happens. And even that little bit of a lift can change everything. And so part of it for us is just accepting the invitations of play and giving ourselves yeah. permission to go there, right? If you can picture in your mind, someone standing on the edge of a dance floor, who's like, oh, I can't, I'll look silly. Oh, I, whatever. Like no one cares what you look like, you know, even yeah. in the age of constant cell phone cameras, no one cares, like just go. Um, and once you've given yourself permission, there is that, there is that spark. Um, yeah. And we're watching this happen developmentally with our children, things that I think I would have blamed on on public school, like, oh, it's the peer influence. The only influence this year has been us. Um, But to see them, there's such a difference between a two-year-old who is just, you know, naked and unashamed, like Garden of Eden in the backyard. We're like, can you put pants on? No? Okay. Um, And the five-year-old is starting to have a little bit of, uh, you know, I know what people are thinking of me. And the eight-year-old who will repeatedly say, I don't want to do that. I feel embarrassed. And we're like, it is Mm -hmm. just us. Like no one is here. We're not videotaping this. Like it is just us. But that's part of it, right? That's the Garden of Eden. You suddenly you ate the fruit and just part of growing up, part of maturity is you now know that you're naked. You know that people can see you and judge you. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that part of the playfulness in adulthood is reclaiming that freedom of I can still be myself. I am so deeply loved by God that if I make the worst dance move ever and it goes viral on Twitter, I'm okay, right? That has changed nothing about me and my beloved status before God. Um, And as we reclaim that, there is such joy and 
freedom and hope. Um, it's just the best place to be. It's like you said, like that's where we're headed, right? Like that's our native country. That's our native tongue. Um, and it's been so beautiful to explore. And the more often I make a fool of myself, um, the freer it gets, the freer it gets. It's, it's a good place to be. <laughs> yeah. Good habit. How do you feel like it's changed you? Like, um, this past year? Yeah, I have gone from usually leading with no to usually leading with yes. And let me mm -hmm. unpack that a little bit because a lot of the book Uncluttered was about it's okay to say no. It's really okay to say no. And this is not when people are like, will you manage the bake sale? Like yes to everything. <laughs> um, but saying yes to play invitations because they're mm -hmm. everywhere. And yeah. when my kid says, hey, can we build a fort? And in my mind, I go through the 60,000 things that I need to get done before lunch. And I need to make that phone call, send that email. There's laundry everywhere. Um, but he said, let's make a fort. Um, and can I give him 10 minutes of undivided attention and will it change our whole day? Absolutely. Yeah. I can't give him four hours, but I can give him 10 minutes. And so yeah. to say yes to those invitations, I was realizing my husband would come and hug me and he's a champion hugger. And I would like stiff and then pull away because I had things to do. It mm -hmm. cost me 30 seconds to lean into the hug. So to say yes to the play invitations has been the biggest, smallest yeah. shift for me. Yeah. yeah. No, that's really good. I, that's a a good word for me too. I've, I've realized that with, with my kids too. I mean, I have a, I have a preteen now who doesn't really want to play with me anymore, but I have to like beg her to do stuff with me. Um, See, you have to invite her now. And that's your, I do have to, I do have to, yeah, I do have her. but my son, my eight year old still invites me to do things. And my first, always my first like internal instinct is I don't have time, but I have learned that just like a little bit, like because we have a pool table, like one pool game, which doesn't take that long because we're both terrible. Um, like, you know, it just, it, and it's just a few minutes or go kick around the soccer ball for like 20 minutes, you know, like it's just, it's just, it just requires a little bit, but in my head, I'm thinking I have so much to do. And that's, and that's another, like, I think um, barrier for me is that play seems useless. So like, there's no, like, I mean, sometimes like, you know, Rebecca's watery coloring, she has something to show for her play. But like most of the time when you play, um, there's no like product at the end. And I don't do very well with that. I, I want a product at the end. I want like someone to pat me on the back and give me a check mark and a gold star or Your a medal. Your food is like, a product, right? I, well, yes, but like that's not a measurable product. <laughs> I, I need a measurable product. I need a check mark on my to-do list. You know, I need, you know, something to show for it. And mo lots of times with play, there's nothing to show in yes. the traditional sense. And when we do fall into something playful, we always think about how we can monetize it. Like, oh, I like to sew. Yes. Oh, I'll make these and put them on Etsy. Oh, I like to yes. write. I'll sell books, right? There's a Yes. And that steals side the joy hustle, as well. Hustle, yeah. Yes, right? There's no hobby now. It's a side hustle. We've changed the language around it. And yeah. there's a whole chapter in the book on doing useless things. Because if, if you think about it, <laughs> the, the best things in life are useless, right? The Think about all yeah. of the highest joys of your life. And they're not things that are like, oh, the best day of my life was when I finally was able to buy that expensive purse that I, right? Like, I'm not a purse person. I think that's a thing for some people. It's not my thing. But that's not the best day. The be you know, all of the useless things that make our life worth living. You know, you, you cooked this beautiful dinner and you ate it and it was gone and all you had was dirty dishes. Like that was a useless thing to do, but it changed 
your day. It changed your family. Having sex, totally useless unless you're trying to make a baby, right? If you want to look at it in that utilitarian sort of way, there's yeah, it's true. It's true. It at the end. Um, but that changes your marriage and builds connection and joy. And so useless, you know, because there's not a product at the end of it is very different than useless, but it's going to change your thought patterns, your heart, your spirit, your emotional life in this moment. Um, And then you go back to that task after the 20 minutes of soccer and you're different and you're lighter. And the task is now not so onerous of the dishes that you have to wash. Um, So yeah, like to give yourself permission to do things that are totally useless. I, I had time set aside to do my devotions the other day and it was like a task and I had to do it. I ended up sitting on this bench under this tree that was full of birds. And I just closed my Bible and I just watched the birds for 20 minutes. And that was the closest I have felt to God in weeks. And it was like, God was like, look, just look, just Mm -hmm. breathe. You know, and at the end of the day, I didn't have my journaling done for the day and I hadn't made it any farther in my book and all of these things. But I I think back on, it was weeks ago, and I think back on that closeness Mm -hmm. with the Lord doing something totally useless for 20 minutes on a bench under a tree. Um, Yeah. That is our life. That is Eden, right? There was no one in Eden who was like, follow me on Twitter. Here's my Etsy store. Check out my platform. It was You're just there literally and eating right in front of you. There was literally <laughs> You're tweeting. Nice joke, Rebecca. It's a good one. <laughs> it's true because like, I think about God and creation all the time and how many useless things there are that are literally just there to be great. Like he didn't have to, if you start thinking about like, what is necessary for human life and like, what did he have to give us for food or like reproduction didn't have to be enjoyable. It could have just been like, which, I mean, it's like, so when we look at our lives in this very utilitarian like list, it's like, that's not how God is at all. And like at all, like he's, that's not his character. And he gives us superfluous stuff just for fun. And he wants us to have fun. And like, I felt like in so many ways, um, like, I feel like I, I do that. Like, I think that way, but I always feel like I'm being, cause I'm definitely the person watching the birds more off. Like, that's just like my norm. Like I, and I, I should read my Bible more, but a lot of times I'm watching the birds, which is, there needs to be a balance, but like, I always, I just felt so validated, you know, cause I always feel like people either like aren't taking me seriously or like, or just like, you need to be more like, but it's like, no, like that's like the best part of my life is the stupid stuff I do. And the just, you know, like that's what gives me joy and the rest of it, I just get through and I put on some like Whitney Houston and we do the dishes, but like the rest of the time I like to just do whatever it's fun. Like, yeah. yeah. So I felt validated, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. And that, that's a gift you have to offer people, you know, yeah. and to give people permission. You, you're, you are advanced in this in a beautiful way that allows you to be a permission giver, mm-hmm. right? Like just, yeah. just sit here by me for a minute. Just look at the birds, you know, like yeah. you two Rebecca's need each other. <laughs> well, yeah. So it's funny that you say that. Sure. So we'll, we, we, uh, especially during the pandemic, but just because she lives on the other side of the city, a lot of our work meetings, if you will, happen over Marco Polo. <laughs> And so she'll be like outside sitting there and like literally she'll be in the middle of a sentence. She'll be like, Ooh, a hummingbird. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, (laughs) but it's awesome. I love it so much. Like it's, it really makes you really happy. Like she like just, and then she's like, what was I saying? And then she's just like really excited about the hummingbird. Um, it makes me laugh. Yeah. (laughs) And, and God is like, Hey everybody, I sent you a hummingbird and you're the only one who noticed, right? There's, 
I, yeah, I, yeah, I don't, I don't mean to like toot my own play horn. Like I definitely still need to work on it for sure. Like I hate playing with my children. Like I have to really make myself do that. But like, I'm just saying, I feel like even if you're, cause it's easy to say like, well, this is a great message for somebody who doesn't know how to play, but I feel like it's also a great message if you kind of do, cause then it's like, see, this is important. Like, I'm not just like silly, you know, it's yeah. very important. So I appreciated that. I really like do. Them. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I really liked just uh, along with that, it, the permission that like it can look different for different people, because I think my first instinct is like, well, I don't really like to do silly things. Like part of it is that I don't want to be seen as silly, but part of it, that's just not me. Like when I think about the things that really, truly bring me joy, um, it's reading and writing. And we'll come back to that in a second, but like reading, writing, um, going for a walk, listening to music you know, having a good glass of wine, like enjoying a a meal that takes longer than like 10 minutes because we got to get to a soccer field. Like, you know, there, there are things that I really enjoy, you know, and, um, but they're not like what you would like consider as play, like, or other people would consider, or I consider it as play. And so the permission that like play is what's playful to you. Um, it's not what's playful to somebody else. Right. Um, I think that's, that's important too. Yeah, like a great yeah. route can be play. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah, for sure. And it's this balance of we can do most tax tasks in our life that we have to get done. We can do those things playfully. Mm-hmm. But then what is your deeper play style where you feel most alive, where you're into that flow of forgetting yourself, right? That one of the best yes. qualities of play yes. is you forget yourself. You forget that you're looking silly or you forget that it's 11 p.m. because you've been so engrossed in this thing that you've loved. And I think many of us have been told throughout our lives, like there is a certain way to play. You know, we all go through high school and at some point you go to a theme park and you realize, oh, I have to like roller coasters because that's what we're doing, right? And then you get off and you throw up and you're like, that was terrible, but I'm not going to tell anyone because this is how we are playing. And for me to realize many of the ways I play best are solitary and they're quiet. And that's not often in our culture what is seen as you're a really fun person, right? Like you're you're not in the flash mob, you're not in the basketball game, you're alone really with a book of crosswords. You are 105 years old and so boring. Um, but allowing See, this is why we're friends, Courtney. This is why we're friends. <laughs> but allowing yourself that permission and acknowledging if you're the adrenaline junkie, then by all means go after it. And if you're not, you can play quietly and alone. And that is a beautiful. I grew up in a family where we lived on a little lake in Wisconsin and my parents had this little boat and everyone in my family loves going on the boat. And I just remember feeling ill, right? Like, I don't want to be here. I hate this. I'm hiding under a seat. I'm cold. I'm pretty sure we're going to flip and die. This is the worst. (laughs) But looking around and feeling like, oh, there's something wrong with me. Everyone else is having a great time. And so part of it too is realizing, you know, we're all wired differently. And in a family and a marriage, sometimes you do have to go along and not be the stick in the mud who's ruining the boat ride for everyone, but also to give yourself permission to play in the ways that you play best and to not feel ashamed about that, to just embrace it. If it gives you energy, if it gives you joy, if it gives you connection, maybe that's with others. Maybe it's with yourself. You know, maybe you're finally in touch with the day that you've had and processing that stuff before the Lord with your book of crossword puzzles. That is a beautiful, holy, important thing. And so the the book, part of the, near the end of the book is just permission to explore your own play style because it's likely um, different than most people, you know, because God made you in this beautiful, special, amazing way. 
Yeah. And it's not something to be good at. It's something to, to enjoy. Like it's like, that is not true. I can be good at play. <laughs> I can see the real screen. <laughs> But isn't I, that I what we do? Star. We're going to just make it into like, well, I'm really good at playing. It's like, no, yeah. it's not what it is. Yes. And I'm, I'm keep using the crossword example because I'm a nerd's nerd, but I, I do crossword puzzles for fun. They help me fall asleep at night. I'm also been working for years to submit and get one accepted at the New York Times. I make crossword puzzles. I love puzzles. that so much. That is not play. That is achievement, right? Sometimes it's kind of fun for me. It's a thing. It's a thing. It will never happen. It's a thing. Um, but like one huh. feels restful and restorative and one is like, oh, I have to make this word grid fit because I'm going to get in the New York, to, right? Like they're different. They're different. Yes. So, well, that's a good point because um, I was thinking about, let, let's take my writing, for example. Um, so my whole life, writing has been a playful thing for me. Um, and then it switched over into, I'm going to write a book. Mm. And to write a book, you have to do X, Y, and Z. And then when X, Y, and Z didn't happen, after many, many, many multiple times of it not happening, years of it not happening, my instinct now, well, this is not instinct. This is what I'm doing now. I've taken those little files on my Mac that have the books in it, and I've put them on a hard drive, and they're gone, and I haven't gone back to writing. I don't even journal anymore. And I was a professional. I mean, I have boxes of journals. I have box. I mean, since I was a small child, I have boxes and boxes of them, and I haven't written anything in a couple of years. And I think that that's that's a good warning for people. And I and I'm using myself as an example. Of, uh, when you back when you were talking about monetizing your play, and that doesn't mean that you can't enjoy the work that you do. Like sometimes your play does turn. I mean, if you're a professional soccer player, like that's fun for you, and it's also your job. Uh, can you tell my son plays a lot of soccer? It's like I bring up soccer a lot. Um, it's it's amazing. And he's writing an expert project research paper for second grade on soccer. Our brain's a little bit stuck on soccer. Um, but but like but I, I mean, I know sometimes people get to do the job of the thing that other people see as play. I know that that's the thing. But it, it is definitely a warning that if you take something that you find to be fun and joy filled and decide to make it into something that's going to be an achievement and it doesn't work out, how to find your way back to that being back the thing that you like to play mm -hmm. is a very hard road. So I guess this is like a, wor a word of warning or <laughs> just be careful about that because I know that it, that's a struggle for me. Like, I don't know when I'll write again. Um, and that it's hard because that I would have told you 10 years ago that that's one of the ways I play. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But there are ways then maybe writing isn't play for you now. Maybe it never will be again. Maybe it will be yeah. in a few years, but that they're yeah. like, God will give you other, yeah. other play strengths and other ways to, yeah. But monetizing it, there is such a difference between doing your work playfully, which you can do, right? Mm -hmm. Like I try to write a playful sermon because I want people to enjoy it and remember it, but that isn't play for me, but I can do it. That's your work. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. There's, there are shades of meaning yeah. there, but I baked cookies last week and my son was like, these are so good. You should sell them. And I was like, nope. Right. Because that changes it from baking as stress relief and baking as play to like, yeah, yeah. yeah. totally. I yeah. make them for you whenever you want kid. That's it. Yeah. You could probably speak to that Rebecca. Cause I'm sure cooking is play for you, but for a while it was also your job. So when your yeah. job is something creative like that, it's hard. It is hard yeah. and you come home and you don't want to do it, but I, I reclaim cooking. I think, um, 
I think for a long time, I would be really impressed with myself, like who I cooked for and like who said my, but now it, it really, I mean, it's such a cheesy cliche thing to say, but like, it really is my family who I just love cooking for. And they, they do very much rate me and grade me. Like, you know, I don't ask them to, but they do, but like, it, um, it's just, it's, it's become fun again, but yeah, for a long time, it just was like, Oh, I don't want to like go to restaurant depot and like pack my car up and like do all this stuff. But I was just thinking when y'all were talking, like I started doing watercoloring during the pandemic and like, um, I painted some of my friend's kids and then, you know, I had, I posted one and I had a couple people say like, Oh, can I, can I commission you to, and I was like, no, cause I, like, I just don't like, cause I even, I had one friend who I was like, I want to do one for her cause I haven't done one for her and I did one for our other friend. And then it just, it became this thing. And it was like, I was like, I don't want to do this. Like I just, so I finished it, but I was like, I don't want to, I don't think I want to make money off of it because like, I, yeah, it's, it immediately wasn't fun anymore. And I was like, that's yeah. not the point of this. Like, yeah. Yeah. And to listen to those things internally yeah. of like, this is not what I want this to be. I want this yeah. to be an act of joy. Um, exactly. yeah. And like reclaiming hobbies, I think is kind of what you're saying too. Like I, I, we've gotten away from that a lot about just like letting a hobby be a hobby and doing something just because we like doing it and we should really. Bring and doing it, it badly and doing it when you That's feel like funny. doing it. Right. It's yeah. Quiet. Totally. My, totally. My husband has been interested. Everyone bikes out here is mountain biking and it's kind of a lot of the guys in our church do. And my husband's like, should I get into this? And then he talked to someone who was a gearhead and it was like, you need this and that and the proper gear and the bike will cost you $3,000 and this and that. And he was like, <laughs> I just wanted to go on the trail. You know, yeah. and we can do that. We can do that to people's play if it's not our thing. It's really hard for a symphony musician to sit through a sixth grade band concert and not want to die, right? Like sometimes the expertise does drain away the joy. And one of the pieces of advice I got in seminary that I think about all the time is do not let the Bible become a textbook to you. Yes. Because when it's your job, that becomes your work manual and you yeah. have to find ways of reading, you know, like I will read the yeah. message translation or a translation I wouldn't use for preaching and my devotional life, because now I'm hearing it in a different way. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's so important. And I think we've, you know, in part out of financial necessity is folks have a side hustle because that's how you afford to live in the world right now. It's, it's bonkers how expensive everything is, but to mm -hmm. also give yourself that permission to just enjoy, because when we don't, what we tend to do is instead of playing, we numb. And so you've yes. got an hour before bed, it's the end of the day and you do the Netflix and I do the Netflix. We all do, right? Whatever your streaming service is. And if instead of that, some days you're too tired and that's, sometimes that's truly play and that's connection and you hold the hand of your loved one and you watch the thing. But often that's the easiest thing to do. And if instead of that, you did the watercolor or you baked the cookies or you went on the walk, you got yeah, that yeah. lift rather than that numbing. And you've been able to be with yourself or be with a friend or I love Marco Polo. We do Marco Polo too, because there's no pressure. You just can leave the message. And whenever the person has the time, right. So you can pour yeah. out your heart and connect that way. Um, so that's, that's just, it's give yourself the permission um, to, to do those things that gives your heart that lift. Yes. Yeah. We've, we, we talked about this a little bit in our May episode, we were talking about transitions or we mostly talking about transitions into the, the, to a somewhat more normal life to summer, all the things. But I, we were also talking about like just life transitions too. And for those of us with older kids who have, you know, when your kids are little, like, you know, if you're not working and you're not sleeping, 
you're taking care of your kids. And that doesn't mean there isn't some play in there and you don't find time for that. But the older they get and the more, the less they need you, the more time you find with on your hands. Um, and I'm kind of in that spot now where like, I'm finding myself with more time on my hands. And I don't say that to like make people jealous who have little ones, but like it happens. I'm sorry, it's going to happen. And you're going to find more time in your hands. And the older they get, the less they're around, less they're around until they're gone. And Rebecca and I were talking about this. We were talking about how like, I don't want it to get to the point where they're in high school and going off to college. And like, literally, I don't have any, I don't know what to do with myself. Um, And so it's like trying to figure out like what, what's fun for me? What are my hobbies? So that when, when they really truly aren't here anymore, I'm not like staring at the wall, like, what do I do with my life? Um, I think sometimes as moms, um, we, or if you're a caregiver in any way, not just the mom, but like, I think sometimes we give of ourselves so much that we forget who we are and then we get every, and then that period's over and we just, I mean, it can cause like lots of depression and issues in your marriage and all of those things because, and I I just want to like work on that now. So even if it only means right now, I only do it for 10 minutes a day, but like one day I might be able to do it for a few hours a day, you know? And I, and I think that's why retirement's hard for Americans. I think that's why empty nest is hard for Americans. Um, I I say that for Americans because I really think it is an American or at least a Western issue, but um, trying to find those little things and dabble with those little things now so that when we do have the time, like we'll, we'll know how to do it. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And you'll be comfortable sitting with yourself. You know, I think that's a piece of it too, is we haven't had that time to like, what's going on with me and, and the Lord and what's going on with me and my spouse and what's in here. And we were on the go with young kids so much. And you're so involved that as that starts to leave, you're left with this void where if you're not ready to look into it, um, and you know, work on yourself and see what's going on in there, then that's a really scary place. You got to quick fill it with a lot of stuff. Um, but play helps us do that. It helps us be in touch with Jesus and with one another and with how we're doing in a way that's really healthy and not as threatening um, as it might be if it's not playful. <laughs> yeah. Well, it'll give you like, I feel like it gives people a touchstone, like no matter what's going on in your life, like you can always go back to that thing or you can always go back and that's just, I mean, that's gotten me through this year. I mean, so many little things is like, we're laying foundations now. We don't know what's to come, you know, like we don't know what it's going to be like, but if we have kind of reels to run on that we start making now, then they'll serve us later. So it's really, yeah, it's not like a self-indulgent thing by any means. It's, it's like survival. <laughs> like it's yeah, really important. Yeah, for sure. Well, and, for sure. and I think whether it's, you know, achievement or graduate school or working or young kids, many of us have been on a treadmill for so long that when that starts to slow down, it's like, wait, 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 wait. Like I'm really good at pushing hard. If I'm not pushing hard, who am I? And I, I interviewed someone for the book who's, he's a new Testament professor. And he said, you know, I spent my thirties in school and I feel like a lot of my friends then develop these wonderful hobbies or pastimes. And I didn't have that. And so you ask me how I play well. And he's like, I don't know. (laughs) You know, and he's one of the smartest people I've ever met. He's this brilliant scholar, but he's like, I don't know what I do for fun. I, when I was in my teens, I played tennis. Should I try that again? And I think that's an exciting journey of discovery. Like maybe you do like tennis now, or maybe your knees are shot because you're in your late thirties. Like who knows? But 
to maybe start there is what I tell people is what did you used to love to do? Were you yeah. the girl who loved to ride horses? Get on a horse again. Were you, I, I started my own experiment. I had this clay that I used to love this like mold and bake clay. And I bought some of it and I played with it and I found, I didn't love it like I used to, but it was this gateway into how did I used to like to have fun um, yeah. that started me on the journey toward, it really is the crossword puzzles now in large part, but um <laughs> Yeah. To go back to what you used to like to do. It's yeah. why we see people who are in their fifties who are like, I'm collecting my little ponies now. Cause that was the thing for me. Right. Like it's, that's okay. If that's fun for you, yeah. that's fine. I know, I know grown women near retirement who have an American girl doll collection and that brings them lots of joy. And that is lovely. And now that their kids are grown, they have the money to do that someday. Maybe I will have the money to do that, but I oh, the great someday. irony of a right. the American girl doll when your daughter's not little. <laughs> right. But like, what is fun and quiet down the voices of judgment? Like, does it bring you joy and connection? My husband is he was born and raised in LA. He is like the most indoorsy human alive. And the <laughs> pandemic has gotten him started gardening. And he is so happy. And he owns work boots and I do not recognize him. He has a beard now. It's this whole thing. But he is so like he's discovered this part. And he the first thing he does in the morning after he makes coffee is he goes and checks on his sprouts in the backyard. And then he's like, oh, we have morning glories. You have to come and see them. And I'm like, who are you? But he's so happy. And it's been so restorative. And his fingernails are always dirty now. And I'm thrilled for him. Like it is changing his life. Couple of yeah. seed packets. That's awesome. <sighs> so good. Well, this is really good, Courtney. Um, and we only like touched on a little bit of the book. I know it seems like we touched on a lot, but we only touched on a little bit of the book. So can you tell our listeners when the book comes out? Book comes out August 3rd. Awesome. And, and you, you can, can find it all the places. Yep. Yep. But you can pre-order it now, right? So, but if, if you're listening you to can this, pre- it's not August 3rd. Yes. <laughs> Awesome. You That's can. So and if you don't know all, all of magic around pre-orders is um, a lot of retailers don't know how many copies to order and they base that on pre-orders. So pre-orders can change an author's life. They are super important. And it is a future present you give yourself because you will forget you ordered it and then it will just show up in your mailbox. Like That's that. the best part. <laughs> I know it is the best part. I love pre-ordering things. I It's my favorite. Um, I love pre-ordering books and I know it does make a difference for authors. So we will definitely have that link in the show notes. Anything hey, else Courtney, you want to share? Um, what were you going to say, Rebecca? I have to tell her, did, does she know that we're doing a play challenge for ourselves? Oh, yeah. See, I was hoping you'd forget that because I don't really, I don't. So what we're doing, what Rebecca Pete is going to do is this episode's <laughs> going to come out and then we are going to, for the summer, we're challenging ourselves to be more playful. And so the next episode after this one will be our, uh, how, how that went what we've done. So Rebecca, you're going to have to so excited about the vulnerability of that episode. It's going to be good. I'm going to, I have, I definitely have some areas I need to lean into as well. Like I have a, I don't, I wouldn't say I am, I can work on my playfulness. So I'm going to kind of lean into that too, especially this summer because summer are just like, I struggle in the summer y'all like kids all the time. And you know, it's just, I'm an introvert and I don't get a break and like, I'm blessed all of those things. I feel like I have to quantify that when I say that, but like, it's just, you know, it's, it's rough. So I feel like, um, a playful attitude could definitely help me to have a better summer and to not dread summer. Like that would be fabulous if I didn't dread summer. So yeah. that's my challenge to myself. And we're going to find you a hobby. You're going to find me a hobby. <laughs> we're going to okay. find you a hobby. 
we are. Can I can I offer a reframing from a challenge to an invitation? Yes, because challenge you. sounds like a thing you should do. An invitation <laughs> sounds like if if this is working, if this is fun, if this feels life giving. Um, yeah, don't make it a should. Don't make it a need. Make it a here's this invitation. And you can turn down an invitation. Some days you're going to be like, I'm going to not be playful today. My kids are going to watch Netflix and I'm going to take it out. The first 10 seconds before you fall asleep are like the most playful part of a nap, but that's the best. You just lay down and you're comfortable. (laughs) Oh, great. (laughs) Invitation. We're going to invite. My invitation should be to take naps because I don't like naps at all. I am. I literally have to be on my deathbed to take a nap. Like I didn't even take naps. Then that's not your thing. Then that's not your thing. Yeah. No, I don't and invite, do invite yourself to read a book or invite yourself to bake something or invite yourself to call a friend. Like that's your, yeah. 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 Maybe, maybe the invitation is just you're invited to play and then you get to pick. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Courtney. <laughs> this has been great. Anything else, Rebecca? Do you have anything besides our play invitation? No, I mean, I could, we could probably talk all day, but. <laughs> well, we could, but you know, we're going to be respectful of everyone's time, including our own. So <laughs> just go ahead and write another book real soon so that you can just kind of keep doing this, 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 thing. that's my plan. That's my plan. Back even when she's not writing a book. That's so. very true. That's very true. <laughs> okay. Thank you guys. Thank it's you so much. It's so great so to, have good you. to be with you. Bye. Okay. So Rebecca, are you happy now? <laughs> totally happy totally happy it just depends on the day today I feel great ask me tomorrow <laughs> um well I will take this interview and all the other ones we have done um along with me this is our it's our last goodbye except for that we're still gonna be friends like oh and Rebecca I don't and I mean were- that I mean for the podcast <laughs> <laughs> um I know. I was telling Rebecca when we agreed that this was the, the that we were we were gonna take a break from Woven. I was like, I don't need a break from you. And she's like, I know, dummy. I know you didn't mean that. <laughs> I don't want to be your friend anymore. I am a little melodramatic, so it was fair for you to clarify that. Um, <laughs> well, yeah. Um, love you. I love the listeners. I love. I was about to say, I love everybody. Then I felt like I've been smoking something, so I won't say that. But yeah, we um, just thank you so much to all of our guests who have been on. Dr. Angela Schaffner, I think she's been on seven times. Yeah. Our sweet friend. Is that right, seven? Um, something like that. She gets a green jacket for something or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sarah Collier, just everybody who's been on um, once or multiple times, we have learned something from each of you. And I hope that you've discovered some new people and that you've had some new perspective and that I just hope the Lord has used this and all of your lives, whoever's listening, um, because that's all we can ask for. And um, I guess this isn't goodbye. It's just see you later. See you later.